in terms of content marketing, we think about how we can make sure that every company understand that the right way to communicate with their consumers or customers, it doesn't matter if it's B2C or B2B, they need to make sure that they have like this personal perspective. Welcome back to Product Market Fit, a podcast for early stage founders and operators who are looking to level up their startup's growth. I'm your host, Moshe Poltrak, and my guest today is Danielle Daphne, founder and CEO of Peach, an AI-powered video editing platform. I really enjoyed my conversation with Danielle as we covered many topics, including content marketing in the age of generative AI, Peach's launch on Product Hunt, and the company's evolution from pure PLG to a product-led sales motion. Stick around, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the interview as much as I did. If you're interested in the topic of product-led sales, heads up, I'll be interviewing the founder of Pocus on this topic in two weeks. And I couldn't be more excited to share that next week for episode 30, I'll be releasing my conversation with April Underwood, former chief product officer at Slack turned angel investor. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, what are you waiting for? You won't want to miss these or any of the other great episodes coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you could leave a positive review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you love to listen. Either way, I always love to hear from you. So email me at hello at pmfpod.com or reach out on LinkedIn or Twitter. The Product Market Fit Podcast is brought to you by growth.co. That's growth without the O.co. Growth offers fractional CMOs paired with best-in-class digital marketing execution to support early-stage startup success. With a focus on seed and Series A companies, Growth has helped a number of SaaS, digital health, and e-commerce startups build their go-to-market function and scale up. To learn more and book a free consultation, go to growth.co. That's G-R-W-T-H dot C-O. Without further ado, I present my conversation with Danielle Daphne. Danielle, welcome. I am so excited to speak with you. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So jumping right in, can you tell us what is Peach and who do you serve? Peach is a platform for marketing teams. They want to be able to scale their video creation process and to make sure that they can maintain lots of different digital channels at the same time and reach to new audiences in different languages. So yeah, I was a video editor for the biggest companies here in Israel. And I founded Peach because basically I saw that there are lots of marketing teams out there they would like to establish a content marketing strategy, but they don't have the ability to create videos at scale. So right now, so you just use Pitch to, to automatically edit and design your videos with the press of a button. Super cool. And it's specifically video editing. So for example, as a podcaster, I could take the recording and cut it up into clips and, and publish it with overlaid text or whatever, not necessarily creation from scratch, kind of like what Synthesia is doing, right? Yeah. So one of the main bottlenecks that marketing teams have at the moment, it's not to generate content from scratch, but uh, the opposite. It's like to handle the content that they, they already have. So in terms of taking care of this content, you need to be able to use all these video editing skills and graphic design and motion graphic, etc. So it costs lots of money. It takes lots of time. And one of the things that we try to build at the beginning and to solve is the dependency that they have on these external experts usually, but also when it comes to the creative team inside the companies. So to take care of the process itself and to empower both the creative teams and the marketing teams at the same time and to help them to automate the process as much as they can. 
So yeah, right now you can't create from scratch videos at Peach. This is not what we are trying to do. Although I need to be honest and tell you that our customers request for it. So this is something that we are thinking about. Very interesting. I'd like to come back to that later, but you've mentioned marketers and design and, and editing teams. I, you know, I talked about podcasters. Do you have a specific ideal customer profile that you're focused on? Are there multiple markets that you're currently selling into? How do you think about your ICP? So yeah, most of the time that will be the marketing teams, but in another aspect, you can see also the creative teams because it's like they have different interests. The creative team, these are the people who need to take care of the brand itself and to make sure that all of the videos and infographics and ads, etc., they will look exactly the same and that will keep the brand guidelines. But at the same time, there is the marketing team who want to make sure that they can execute and to, to be able to scale without this dependency on the creative team. So one of the things that we are doing today is to make sure that Pitch can speak to both. The creative team can design all these elements if they want to. They don't have to, but if they want to, they can design the specific elements inside Pitch. But at the same time, they will be able to control the brand guide guidelines and to make sure that the, the marketing teams can execute without waiting for the creative team. So it's in controlled by the, the creative team, but executed by the marketing teams. And this is something that at the moment when we are meeting our customers, this is exactly the personas, it's marketing, creative teams, obviously under the CMO or the VP marketing. Very interesting. And I can see there being a challenge potentially to marketing. You're saying, hey, the creative team is bottlenecking you, circumvent them. Here's a tool that empowers you to do it on your own. But you're also trying to sell into the creative team. Is there some sort of tension there potentially? I am not trying to sell to the creative team. I feel like the creative teams need to understand, and this is something that we are working on very hard, to make them understand that they need to control the tool. They don't need to use it. That means Pitch today can empower the creative teams and to make sure that when they have all the projects that they need to take care of, they can prioritizing differently. And then they will be able to say to other people inside the company, okay, guys, you don't need me involved because you can use Pitch without any video editing skills. But at the same time, it's controlled by us. So we will make sure that every videos that produced by Pitch will be fit to the brand book itself, right? So I can say it's like, we need the support of the creative teams, but we are selling definitely for the marketing teams. Understood, that clears it up. Can you give us an idea of your, just to get a sense of scale, either revenue size, company size, amount of funding, just where you're at in your growth? Yeah, of course. We founded Peach uh, on 2020. That means in the beginning of the corona, back then it was like all the businesses around the world just jump on the digital and started to create lots of video content. So yeah, that was the point when we decided to start. We raised so far $8.3 million as pre-seed and seed round. And we just launched four months ago, so that's pretty new. But in this period of time, we have not only very good and big logos in the pipelines when we are trying to, you know, to learn everything about them and how they want to use the platform. I'm talking about like lots of big companies. I don't want to, to mention names at the moment, but definitely something that surprised us. And when it comes to product market fit, we have very interesting story here. When we launched Peach, I thought that what's going to happen is that the employees of the big companies just sign into the product and start to play with it, right? I mean, bottom up, just, you know, sign in, PLG, emotion, self-service pl platforms, etc. 
But then we got hundreds of demo requests. And that was insane. We didn't prepare to this phase. That means I don't have salespeople here inside the company. We didn't think that this is something that the employees will want inside the companies. And that was something very surprised for us. So we have like lots of leads every day without even starting to do, you know, all the traditional marketing and all the strategy, the big strategy, because we are still in the product market fit phase. And then we, we understood that the big companies, they want more from our technology. And you mentioned before that one of the things that we just launched was Pitch for Webinars, for example, and Pitch for Podcasts. And these products actually came to our mind after we talked with them. We talked with the big companies. We tried to understand why do you need us if you just can sign in and start working on Pitch? Yeah, so that was something very surprising, not just for me, but also for my team. That was something that we didn't see happen. But yeah, hundreds of demos and people just want to understand when it comes to generative AI, generation of, you know, we want to be able to create everything in our hands. So right now they try to understand how they can leverage the technology and not just, you know, come and edit a video. They want more than that. That's fascinating and a topic that I'm particularly interested in talking about the evolution of product-led growth, which often requires a sales component, product-led sales or layering enterprise sales on top of PLG. So it's interesting that right out of the gate, you aimed for a PLG motion, but it sounds like the customers told you we want more. Was that a limitation of the product that the PLG motion just wasn't robust enough for them to get the value out of it? Or was it something specific to the the type of customers that you were selling into or the buying process by which that they needed to, for example, get approval by, you know, PLG motion often requires some sort of distributed decision-making. So, you know, a developer or a marketer or a designer can just put their credit card in if necessary and, and use it. And then eventually the enterprise size signs up. But sometimes, you know, the, the company needs to sign up, right? HR needs to sign off or IT or whoever. Was that the limitation? That's an interesting question, actually. You are very sharp. Yeah, so I think it was when a marketing person signs into the product, basically Pitch can help you with everything at the moment. You can create testimonials. You can use it for webinar snippet, for how-to tutorials, for tips, thought leadership, etc. But I felt when I look and review how the users behave with the product itself, I noticed that it's like it's something confused them. And when it comes to marketing people, I'm sure you know, they have a strategy. And then they want to make sure that, for example, if they want to produce this year webinars, and tutorials, they want to be focused on this specific execution and not to, you know, to, to, to get lots of other things that at the moment they don't understand what exactly they need to do. And each of these use cases, if it's to create webinars, to create how-tos, testimonials, thought leadership videos, etc., we then understood that they want us to help them execute and not just to edit the video. So, for example, if they want to create webinars this year, I want to provide them a product that will help them to generate these webinars, these long form videos to a short form videos already edited for you automatically with the press of a button, right? And then for me to talk with them and to tell them, okay, so we want to create webinars. I can sign that you can create 200 webinars this year, for example, or any other numbers, right? Because that depends how many webinars you are going to produce. So for them, it makes more sense because they don't need it all. They need specifically 
things that they want to make sure that they can execute for the next year. So I think it was something about the messaging together with the product that was too wide for them, like too overkill for them. And one of the things that we noticed that while we are speaking with them and we focus on the specific use case, it makes more sense to them. And then it's easier also for us to make sure that the technology can help them to execute and not just, you know, to, to take one single video and to pack it, right? That's interesting. What is the grand vision for the company? You mentioned earlier about potentially going into other areas of, of generative AI video creation. What's your long-term goal? How do you see the company or the product evolving? Yeah, so so we would like to be the main platform for every content marketing team out there, right? So we want to be able to help them to produce any type of content they want, because just for a cl clarification, from video, you can export an audio, you can export a text. The video, it's the starting point. We want to help them to be the main platform for them to wake up every morning, to open the laptop, and then to see what's exactly happened in the night when it comes to the content itself, to think about how they can repurpose content again and again, and maybe to generate new pieces of content from the same content that they already have. At the moment, every marketing team that we are speaking to, they have lots of content that they already produced, they already filmed. But on the other hand, they invested lots of money and time on it, but they don't have the ability to make sure that they can get the most of it. And this is our main focus, just to understand again how we can help them to build a strategy that's sustainable, that can be consistency and easily creating like more and more. Fascinating. And I certainly resonate from, you know, as a marketer, but also specifically to the podcast, you know, I have these assets and there's... A lot of different ways that it can be used, but it, without these types of tools, it's very time consuming and, and uh, labor intensive to do, you know, human editing for everything. So having tools like Peach and leveraging AI to be able to do it cheaply, effectively and, and at scale really feels like a superpower sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I've been asked by one, an investor that I had a, a meeting with, and he asked me, why exactly do you think that? When it comes to pitch, if, if, you know, the generative AI, if it's not a buzzword, it's not, maybe it's something will go away after one or two or even five years. Why do you think that pitch will, will stay? And I mentioned something from my perspective, it's like generative AI here to empower us. So at the moment that we won't rely on generative AI, but we will make sure that the generative AI is helping us to be better, to be much more effective and faster and updated, etc. So it's not a buzzword because this is literally, this is in the timeline, the point when technology can help us to be much more effective than ever before and much more creative and much more better in every aspect. So, so yeah, so I think one of the things that we are not trying to do at the moment is to join all these clubs when it comes to generate things from scratch. We don't want it. We want to make sure that this is something that the marketing teams can actually rely on. Um, and the content that they already have, this is something that they can rely on. Yeah. I don't think generative AI is going anywhere. We're certainly in somewhat of a bubble, but it's a game changer technology and it's only going to get better. I agree. Let's talk about launches for a bit. That's a recurring topic on the podcast. And I had a great episode recently with Mary Sheehan, who wrote the book on tactical guide to product launches. You launched on Product Hunt about four months ago. You got product of the day. Congratulations. I think it was also the number two product of the week. What was the biggest lesson 
from launching on Product Hunt and in general, what did you learn during the launch process? I'm not sure you are going, going to love my answer. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to launch on Product Hunt and it's, I, I'm very appreciated that, you know, we, we won the product of the day. But when I have this second thought about it, they have like lots of people, very technical and very like kind of an early adopters. But if I need to be honest, this is not my audience, right? So it was nice when it comes to the brand and, you know, to get the expose, et cetera. But in terms of customers and traffic and relevant traffic, so it wasn't actually there. So yeah, it was interesting. I'm so embarrassing because, you know, this is something that I literally wanted to, to, to launch on product and my whole life. But when it comes to the business perspective and the product market fit, because this is what we are talking about, it's, it's exactly how I, feel, I, how I feel with PR, for example, at the moment. I feel like it's too wide and it's not focused on our specific personas or customers. And maybe it was a bit louder at the moment, like lots of noise, lots of traffic that not necessarily we need at the moment. Yeah. So in terms of lunch, like I think that maybe in my next startup, I will be smarter. <laughs> it's uh, something that I've heard from other founders as well about Product Hunt. You're not the only one. It certainly depends on who your audience is. And I myself am often, you know, kicking the tires on lots of different products and product hunt, but I'm not their user and I'm not going to stick around, right? I'm just curious. And, you know, I like the shiny new thing. So I just want to see what it's about. So from a user adoption perspective, it's not necessarily the right channel. Although, you know, if you are selling to developers or sometimes PMs, um, it could be a way to get in front of those early adopters. So what has been successful so far in your user acquisition or in your growth? That's also a surprising uh, thing that I didn't think about it before, but because we are in the ear of generative AI, so there are lots of websites I'm sure you're familiar with that provide lots of like a review about generative AI tools. That means if you want to create videos or if you want to create presenters, if you want to create voiceover, etc. So this website literally covered all the options that you have online. I didn't turn them or ask for anything, but we just there. So we are there in, I think, more than 10 different websites at the moment. And most of our traffic, actually, I, I'm talking about the PLG. That means the, the lower plans, right? So yeah, they come from these websites. Usually there we have lots of traffic from there. Also, I see lots of traffic from the social media. That means people, you know, that we have in the network. But when it comes to the big contracts with the big companies, so obviously paid campaigns, PPC, we're targeting marketing people. So they find pitch very interesting in a second. Another thing that I, I think I would like to mention, it's how the PLG supports the sales cycle. That means how it supports the big contracts, because something very interesting happening these days, we see lots of big companies as I mentioned before, it was one of my assumptions that they will sign in and just start using the platform, right? So at the moment, we have lots of requested demo customers, but also we have big companies that just sign into the product and start playing with it. So we have lots of leads also from the PLG that we are turned to, obviously. And yeah. That's interesting. So walk me through kind of how that works practically. So you started assuming a PLG motion, realized you know, a lot of these people that were coming to the site were asking for demos and asking for more. Did you hire a sales team? Do you use 
the in-product data to inform who the sales is is reaching out to, or is it kind of somewhat separate where, you know, whoever's product-led, they get their entry freemium plan or, or whatever tiers are available to them. And if they want the enterprise plan, then they can reach out to sales. What does that look like practically? Actually, we are trying everything now because we can see that there are different methods of behavior in the different customers. And because we are, I call it, we are in the year of the product market fit year. Like we are trying everything just to understand again, what's the most effective way for us to generate leads. But actually leads was never our our problem. What we want to do is to understand exactly how our customers would like to meet us. That means if they want to try the PLG first and after that to hear us, or they want to request the demo, then we will send them an email with a sign-in. And after that request, I mean, we are trying everything just because we want to make sure that we are figuring out exactly the sales cycle and how it works. So right now, yeah, we are all over the place, checking everything, no assumptions anymore. <laughs> yeah. And actually that's interesting because I, I feel like because we have the PLG motion at the same time with the sales cycle. So I think that we have lots of, lots of options. I mean, we can try lots of things. We can test it. We can get the feedback from our current customers, what worked best them, etc. So I feel like we have everything when it comes to the how to engage with them. Now we need to like the data. It's a, it's a game of numbers, right? Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're experimenting across the board. Organizationally, how does that look right now? Do you have growth living inside of product? Is product-led sales kind of, is there like a, a, a bridge between product and sales or is everybody just kind of working side by side, shoulder to shoulder? Yeah, so we are working side by side. I need to be honest. I am a control freak. So at the moment, I am like checking everything and make sure that all of the customers, it doesn't matter where they come from. I want to understand exactly how the funnels look like. And, you know, these days I'm doing the demo meetings because I told my team, okay, I am going to do all the demos because I want to hear them and speaking with them. And I had lots of customers that asked me, the CEO is doing a demo meeting? I mean, that was insane for them. But yeah, it it was very important for me to understand exactly what they need to hear and what's the right way to deliver the message because we have like very powerful technology. This is very innovative and I need to make sure that they understand everything in terms of this innovative side. But on the other hand, I feel like the fact that we have the PLG and they can play with it and they can test it everything, you know, by by their hand, it's very supportive. So in terms of the team, at the moment we have, yeah, we have sales, we have product. That means that we are monitoring everything. We have data about every, you know, aspect inside the platform just to make sure that we are not, we have like discussions here, for example, should we add this feature or this feature? And then we vote in terms of the opinions inside the room, but every vote should rely on the data. That means that my product manager, he told me, Okay, so that's nice that this is how you think, but look at the customers. They don't use this, for example, right? We are a very data-driven company. I think that this is like the one who wants to to win the discussion. They just <laughs> provide with the data, obviously. Do you allow customers to vote on product features or do you have a public roadmap that you share with customers? So we have an internal product roadmap. That means for the people, for the customers who pays, but... I don't feel like the product roadmap works good as much as they just write for us. 
That means they write lots of emails. With some of our customers, we have Slack channels. So they, they make sure that we understand it in every, every other way beside the product roadmap. Very cool. Looking a little farther out, obviously you're still in experimentation phase, but what do you think are going to be the most important channels for your growth in the next few years? Are you going to be investing heavily in paid acquisition, for example, or partnerships or other channels? So from my perspective, because we have very specific personas and we know exactly who the personas are and as much as the time goes, it just even clearer, like more clear. So I think paid campaigns, you know, to these specific personas and also like kind of a BDR and also take leads from the product itself, which rely on organic and social media, etc. So actually what we have now, this is actually working. We didn't start it yet with the BDR because we have lots of leads. Leads is not, again, this is not the challenge at the moment, but I do think that because of the fact that we have very specific personas and we know exactly who these people are, so everything that focuses on the specific personas. So, yeah. By the way, another interesting thing, but because Peach is a tool for content marketers, so one of the things that, you know, this is actually my dream, we want to make sure that we will be able to also maintain very good content marketing strategy. But on the other hand, we need to think about how it looks, the content marketing of today, not like five years ago, right? It's a big change. Like there is a transformation when it comes to the content marketing because of, for example, ChatGPT that today can write you like a full blog post. I don't think it works anymore. If a ChatGPT can do it, so you don't need the content writer to do it because you don't need it anymore. This is not the way people want to to engage with your content. So one of the things that we are trying to figure out here when it comes to marketing and content marketing is to understand how exactly this new content marketing looks like when you have all these skills in your hand. That's a, a really interesting point. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about AI and, you know, it's a, a recurring topic on, on this podcast as well. As a marketer, it's both, like you said, it, it gives you a tool that you can do what used to take, for example, you know, five hours to write a blog post, and now you can potentially do in 20 minutes. I, you know, I don't trust the, the one-click publish a, a blog post from scratch. I don't, I don't think that those are, are useful or going to help you from an SEO perspective, but you certainly can cut down most of the work with AI. So at the same time, it devalues that channel and potentially devalues or, or completely shifts how search and organic SEO will work. So what's your thoughts on how content marketing is changing and how are you implementing that at Peach for your, for your specific marketing? In terms of content marketing, we think about how we can make sure that every company understand that the right way to communicate with their consumers or customers, it doesn't matter if it's B2C or B2B, they need to make sure that they have like this personal perspective. So from our perspective, it's like take your employees and make them like your presenters, just you know, film them and try to do videos that are much more authentic. By the way, this is exactly the thing when it comes to generative AI, we need to be more human. We need to be more authentic. We need to make sure that the human being are in front of the camera and provide some kind of, you know, knowledge and emotions and everything that it's not technological. So our people, we have something we call pitch it, pitch it event. 
And on Pitch It event, all our employees, they are filming the, themselves with uh, some kind of uh, thought leadership videos from the things that they like to do or they are good at, etc. And after that, they edit it with Pitch. So from our perspective, it's like all the people that I have here, they are experts in what they are doing. So I want the world to hear them, right? So there is... It's a sensitive subject because, you know, employees and it's, it's something that related to confidence and you need to make sure that you, you can actually be able to sit in front of the camera. So I don't pushing anyone at the moment, but I, I believe in, you know, lead with a behavior, right? So I am filming myself all the time and I present it to them and I would like them to feel comfortable in front of the camera. And I think that what we are going to see when it comes to content marketing, I think that employees will come to the front. I think it will be much more authentic, less, you know, to, to create everything from scratch and high quality productions. I think that people just need to take their phone and just talk to the camera and, you know, very eye level. Does it make sense? It's a marketer. It makes sense. Personally, I'll tell you, I don't know if it's because I'm an introvert or just personality, but I find doing this kind of interview, very natural. But if you just put a camera in front of me and ask me to talk about something, it's very difficult for me. So I have yet to do just, you know, monologue type videos. Public speaking was, was a challenge for me when I first started doing it. And, you know, of course, podcasting isn't easy, but it feels natural to talk to somebody on the other side. But if it's just a camera, it's just a very weird experience. Even if I have, if I have a script or if I don't have a script and I've prepared thoughts or if I'm just off the cuff, I just find it difficult. But I, I think that that's probably a personality thing and also maybe a generational thing. So I was going to ask you about like the TikTok generation. They're growing up on, you know, the selfie style video. What, you know, maybe it's, let's call it the Snapchat generation really, because that was the first that really popularized. It's okay to publish rough content that isn't polished because it's safe. It goes away after, after 24 hours. So people kind of felt comfortable. And that was really the big innovation that Snap really brought in. So kids these days, you know, my daughter is 12 and she's using Canva and she, she wants to use CapCut, but I don't let her because it's ByteDance. That's a different story. But, you know, they, they, they know how to use all these tools. Are you finding that in your team? I'm sure that you have some, you know, late millennial. I'm technically a millennial, but I feel much older. <laughs> Do you have like these Zoomers and people that have kind of grown up with that? I discovered TikTok three months ago, three months ago. You missed it. You missed it in 2020. What were you doing during the pandemic? <laughs> I think that for me, it was like, I don't know, everything is so noisy on TikTok and you can't even even finish with it. I mean, everything happening in, inside TikTok. So I understand why, because you can find there everything. If you want to, you know, to get content about your professionalism expertise, or if you want to just, you know, see pieces from TV shows, or you would like to get all these kids shows and all these cutie and all these challenges, etc. You have everything there. So I have in my team people from, from the TikTok generation. They are better than me for sure. But one of the things that we decide and the, the reason that I am experienced at TikTok these days is that Peach obviously want to help businesses to come into the TikTok. And you know, the TikTok day, it has its own rules, right? So what is the balance between being native to the platform? So high quality production doesn't work well on TikTok and it needs to have that kind of raw element that is native to TikTok. But at the same time, you mentioned that, you know, to be professional, 
to have brand consistency, there's obviously a, a layer on top of just pick up a phone and record yourself and post it. So how should brands be thinking about that balance? Yeah, from our perspective, it's like you need to make sure that you are authentic. If you need a teleprompter in front of you, that's fine. You can use teleprompter or you can do whatever tricks that makes you feel comfortable in front of the camera. But when it comes to professional and to brands, you need to make sure that you are on top when it comes to creativity. At the same time, you need to understand again how to leverage the technology to help you become much more creative. But at the same time, you need to make sure that you are not too much high quality because again, yeah, as you mentioned, people don't want to see like all these high quality productions when it comes to TikTok. And also something that I would like to emphasize is the fact that you still need to be branded. And this is something that not every business is when they use TikTok because I try to find HubSpot and all of these big companies when they use TikTok, what they are doing. As a company, you still need to make sure that you are branded, that you have your own tone of voice, you have your own visual language and everything, even if it's very authentic and creative. That's easier said than done sometimes. <laughs> I know, for sure. This is a language. TikTok is a language. Yeah. And by the way, I do think that companies today should bring someone very young from the TikTok generation to make sure that they can handle all these video content that they want to publish on TikTok, not you and either not me. We are not going to, to be the experts when, when it comes to TikTok. I am the experts when it comes to YouTube, for example. Maybe Instagram, maybe. Uh, more Instagram than TikTok, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a different generation. We need to admit that's fine. Yeah. And interestingly, YouTube is moving in that direction with shorts, which is increasing in popularity, especially, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but there has been a lot of talk in the US about potentially banning or limiting TikTok. And I think that YouTube Shorts has the potential to step in if that does happen. Obviously, there's also Instagram Reels, store, stories or Reels? Yeah, both. Both. Yeah, that's how out of data I am. That I, I don't, <laughs> that's I'm not interesting so familiar. because even stories that in the past, it was just for 24 hours. Now you can create these highlight sections when you right. have your stories inside the highlight section. So it's not for 24 hours at the moment, it's more than that. And by the way, Instagram started by provide you the option to upload a video with 15 seconds. But at the moment, you can create videos up to one minute, right? So everything. They started with 15 seconds, like Vine. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's like every social media platform at the moment, they are starting to find their own balance when it comes to, to the content. And this is actually very interesting to see from the outside, because you mentioned before, YouTube started by all these long form videos, right? But at the moment, they understand that people, they don't want to watch all these massive content, right? So everything is changing. And they think that the secret for companies is just to make sure they have the content, their content inside each of these platforms. And it doesn't matter from my perspective, it doesn't even really matter because when they have like long form video, they can upload the long form videos. After that, they can use the short and to take from all these pieces. So just play with it. Be all over the place. It's a formula, right? As long as you have like lots of video content out there, you will generate more leads for sure. That's not a question. That's numbers. You mentioned you're an expert at YouTube. Can you give me any advice on how to grow the PMF pod YouTube channel? You need to take all of these podcasts and to generate it to, you know, question and answers because 
people today, when they got into YouTube, they are in their educational phase, right? They want to learn something. They want to understand something. But when you are doing this interview with me, we are speaking about lots of different variety of topics, right? But someone, for example, would like to hear about my perspective when it comes to content marketing, but not necessarily about product hunt. And this is exactly the thing. I want to provide them my answer about the product hunt or about the content marketing. So when it comes to the short form videos for podcasts or webinars, from our perspective, just take these short form videos topic-based and just, you know, make sure that you have all these tags and SEOs, SEO things. Yeah. And just because this is actually what's very interesting when it comes to YouTube, people want to get this information when they sign into YouTube. They want to, to make sure that they have any kind of a solution, answer, guidance about something, right? So yeah, you can, you can find them. Yeah. So we've been publishing full episodes and even bonus content on YouTube and also doing shorts. So 30 to 60 second clips. But I like what you suggested about maybe like two to five minute question and answer type yeah. videos. That's, that's something that we haven't really done much of. Another thing that you can do is to, again, to take the short form videos topic based and after that to lead to the full episode. That means that if my answer for your audience was valuable, maybe they would like to hear more from me, like to hear more questions and, and answers. So I, th I also think about it in terms of a funnel, like how can I lead them to this type of, of a funnel that one day you can, sorry about it, but sell them something, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a funnel of developing a relationship with them, with an audience, right? So if they consume a short, you want them to consume a, a full episode. If they consume a full episode, you want them to subscribe as long as they're getting value. And, you know, I'm not directly monetizing the podcast yet, but I do obviously want more people to, to hear the incredible stories of founders like you and to learn from the guests that we have on the podcast. So I appreciate the tips and you're always welcome to come back on and <laughs> help, help me with, <laughs> with more of these. Let's talk about competition for a bit. I know it's not, it's not the most pleasant <laughs> topic, but it's one of the factors that, that contribute to a product success or not, especially now in a world where the barriers to entry to building a startup have been reduced significantly with the power of AI and with other cloud-based tools. So there's a lot more competition. And in your space, there are a lot of companies that either were doing something similar and are, are now offering something potentially overlapping as an add-on or new entrants in the space that have just kind of set up shop and you know built on top of GPT-3 or Whisper or other models. How do you think about competition? Do you monitor what they're doing and try to match them? What's your thoughts on competition? So A, I think there is a place for many companies and not just one, obviously. B, I think it's a good sign, right? I will be very political. This is a good sign. And definitely there is a problem. That means that today people, especially marketing teams, but people, content creators, universities, digital uh, courses, cre creators, etc., they want to make sure that they have the right tools in their hands to execute all the videos that they need to. So when it comes to pitch, and the reason that I don't think that at the moment we need to worry about all of the competitors out there, and I'm talking about the global ones, right? So 
there is something that I think that if you are not a video expert, you won't be able to understand. And that's the DNA of the relationship between the customer and their experts, the people that serve them. When we are building pitch, one of the things that we are trying to do is to build this relationship between the platform to the customers, like a relationship between me as a video editor, professional manual video editor, or graphic designer, or motion graphic expert, between us as a people to our customers. So pitch basically wants to understand what's your need as our customers and to make sure that along the way, it will make the automatic process precise and much better for you and to get to know you like an expert that gets to know his client, right? It's very deep because when it comes to the product itself, that means to understand exactly what's the right way to take care of you specifically and not the other marketing teams. And this is exactly why when you use pitch today, you will get the automatic results that no one else in, in the world will get. Because we analyze the content and we know the visual styles and we know exactly how your brand book looks like. And we generate visuals from scratch, right? So we have the option to provide you the visual style that your company needs. We analyze the, the content. We have the face recognition of the people inside your team. So we get to know you as much as the time passed. And the fact that as long as you as marketing team use pitch, Pitch just become more precise and more personalized and the time to produce videos just reduce, right? And it's just like an expert. When you have this knowledge and the relationship, you don't want to leave him, right? Right. It creates a stickiness because you're, you're collecting yeah. that data and refining the model based on the user's proprietary data. Exactly. And to be honest, I very appreciated our global competitors. Seriously. I'm very appreciate them. Very good companies. But again, I do think that you need to understand video to the deep side, to understand what's the motion graphic and how the visual elements should fit the content itself, what's exactly the words and sentences that need to be emphasized and what's the right way to emphasize them. If it's an icon or is it a graphic text or text slides? I mean, there is a whole thinking about it. When you are a professional video editor, you know how to take care of these things. So it's not like they don't need, you know, to do it because, you know, they were not a video editor or something, but there is a whole DNA that we have in pitch at the moment that I do think that no one else in the digital world at the moment have. But, you know, I mean, we are here to play the game, right? Yeah. Well, it's a big market with potentially many winners. I sometimes think about the frenemy relationship of partnerships where you may end up competing against each other. So for example, we kind of were talking about it before we started recording. I use Riverside for recording and I also use, well, I have an editing team, but we, we do some things in Descript, which is a uh, AI powered editing tool. They, this Descript has an integration with Riverside where you can export directly from Riverside to Descript. And then suddenly Riverside decided to release editing features within their app, which are not certainly not as robust as, as Descript, but it looks like they're going in that direction. So how do you think about when potentially partnering with another company where there's some mutual overlap? Can you partner with them and both companies benefit from it? Or is it inevitably going to lead to one company kind of cannibalizing the other? No. So I actually think that, you know, to collaborate, this is a good thing. And we need to be very clear with the fact that as long as we are understanding our users, but actually understand them. So they would like to, 
you know, to try all of these tools. And that's fine. They should, you know, try Descript and they should try Riverside and they should try Pitch and, you know, they will choose. And by the way, they can choose today, they can choose Descript or Pitch, but next month they can choose the other one. And by the way, we started to do specific features based on what our competitors did in the past two days ago. I created a full a full video for the G- GTP X event on Amsterdam that we presented Pitchin. And I created this video 90% generated by AI. That means the voiceover, the presenter from Syntesia, the music, the Shutterstock, etc. So everything was created by generative AI. And you can look at Syntesia and you know, in, in some kind of a world to say, okay, but there are some kind of competitors for you, right? But no. I mean, I can use them because they have something that I don't have. I don't have all these avatars. I don't want to do it at the same time. But this is a cool feature, right? So why should I not use it? And by the way, I tag them and they like the post. So yeah, it's good. We all handle creation and creation is amazing. We need to leverage the different technologies and just to do an amazing things together. I like that perspective. So last question before we move to the lightning round. Can you share something amazing that a customer has created with Peach? Something that just stood out or blew your mind? I can share with you one feedback that was mind-blowing for me. She's someone from a very big university from Dublin. And she literally sat in front of me and she told me, you literally changed our life. And this is something that for me as a founder, I mean, you know, from a founder perspective, I always see the bad things. I always see that the product is not good enough and that we are not doing enough and it's not fast enough and it's not like everything. I see all the bad things. And, you know, it was such a simple conversation when she sat in front of me and just said, I just want you to know that you changed our life. And I I don't know, my heart, it was, (laughs) I I even can describe this feeling because in the end of the day, it's not about the money. And for me as a founder, it wasn't something like that, that motivated me to wake up in the morning. It's really to do this change when it comes to teach technology to do all these things, but at the same time to keep the sensitive of a human knowledge. And, you know, this is very hard work and this is very tough. Yeah. So I think that was something mind blowing. You know, the, the creation, it's still simple. It's not something that we would like at the moment to, to complex more and to create like mind blowing videos. No, it's not about that. It's about efficiency. It's about to make sure that everything happens very fast. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a cool story. And it, it makes it all worthwhile, right? When somebody, if you really, you're having such a positive effect on somebody that they say that you changed your life, I think you're doing something right. And again, it, it's, it's for me, it's like someone appreciated what we are doing. And for, for example, when it comes from customers, and by the way, I had, I think from, from last month, I had two or three other customers that told me the same, by the way, exactly the same phrase that I even, I mean, I can get used to it. I really like it. <laughs> I really like it. And I think it works. Yeah, it worked. All the anxiety and all the hard work and the, the, the night that I'm not sleeping because I'm worried about all of this uh, stuff. So, yeah. Fantastic. We're going to move into the exciting lightning round. I'll ask you some questions. You can answer the first thing that comes to mind in under 60 seconds. How does that sound? Oh, my God. I'm not good in the Okay, it's too much pressure. Let's give it a try. Awesome. What's a book, newsletter or podcast? that you find yourself recommending most often? So there is the podcast of Startup or Startup of Monday. 
monday.com. So I learned lots of lessons from this podcast before pitch. So I always recommend it to all of the people that uh, most of the time that will be entrepreneurs, but they recommend it on a daily basis. What's a productivity habit that you swear by? Inbox zero. Do you use superhuman or, or just Gmail? So right now I'm using the capability of Gmail and together with Mixmax. But actually, yesterday I downloaded superhuman. So maybe I will do the transformation. If I have time, maybe I will transfer myself. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. I've heard a lot of great things about it, but I have not used it. So I'm curious. Who's a mentor of yours who's had the most impact on your life or career? Jason was a mentor that someone introduced me to before Peach when I had my previous startup, Guidol. And he told me the words, your words mean something. And your words mean something means that you can act like something and say something else. That means that you need to make sure that you are not lying to yourself. And because of his lesson, I left my first startup and I started Peach because I understood that this is not the right place for me. And yeah, and right now we have a sticker here at Peach. Your words mean something. Just because, you know, we are talking head videos and you can't say one thing and after that to behave like other person. What's one thing you'd like to change about the startup world? More women, please. Please. More women. Should I say yeah. more? We need more women. Well, the unfortunate st statistic is about 4% of VC funding right now is going to female-backed startups. I'm trying to do a better job on this podcast of, of featuring female voices. We definitely are all better off when we have a diversity of representation from all types and walks of life. So agree with that. You know, I had meetings with investors because, because I am a woman. So just be aware to the fact that every VC want to meet me, wants to meet me because they are all wants, you know, female founders, etc. But then they ask me like, so how it is to be a female founder? And then I ask them in return, how many female founders do you have in your portfolio? The answers. You should ask them, how is it to be a male VC? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's interesting, actually. That's so gender right. Yeah. I don't know. No, but actually, you know, it, it's, I mean, we need more women here. And by the way, this is my method. It's like when a woman, founder, woman, female founder, ask me to meet you know, in terms of helping her and get some advice, etc. So it doesn't even matter if I have time or I don't have time. I will always meet her. Always. That's amazing. Yeah. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Come on, you know, you know, <laughs> Steve Jobs, of course, of course. Oh my God, I have so many questions, <laughs> so many questions for him. Well, what would be your first question? You probably know that he was a tough person. But I want to tell him, I understand you. And even my employees sometimes sitting in front of me and tell me, oh my God, you are just crazy. Okay, that's fine. You need to be crazy. I mean, you're a founder, you need to be crazy. And I think that at the moment that one of my employees told me this, I thought about Steve Jobs, not because, sorry, hopefully one day I will be Steve Jobs, but not at the moment. But then I thought about it, that every CEO that you can hear of, like, Always people talk about them like, you know, they are crazy, they are tough, they are, we can't work with them, etc. And then I understood that maybe it's not like the right, I mean, maybe Steve Jobs is not so bad as people describe. <laughs> maybe he's just a founder, right? Yeah, it, it definitely requires a little bit of insanity to 
take on the world because you see something missing as a founder. And that's what's so special about the journey, right? And the end, you, then you want the whole world to understand that there is something missing and all of you are missing something. But, but I need to be honest again here. Sometimes it's not working. I mean, sometimes you, you really think that something is missing, but no one really wants it, right? Last one. What's one question that I didn't ask that you wish I'd ask? You yeah. didn't ask me even one question about the fact that I'm a first timer. And I am not telling you about it because I would like to speak about the fact that I'm a first timer, just because I want to mention that it's a roller coaster. Seriously. And I think that in terms of the, you know, the product market fit here, how I would <laughs> have to call it, that's insane. That's insane. Like, you know, you need to make sure that you have everything in place and you have the right answers and you have the right funnels. So much chaos. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about being a first-time founder is, is challenging. Often first-time founders, this is obviously just a painting in broad strokes, but first-time founders obsess over product and they learn the hard way that distribution and you know, whether it's product market fit or scaling growth channels is often a harder challenge. So later, this is something that I've seen. This is something that I've, that I've heard as well, that second time founders, they're very, very obsessed with distribution. And not to say that building the product is easy. It's, it certainly isn't. But oftentimes we fall in love with our own products and we are a little bit, I don't know if blinded is the right word, but, you know, kind of like the saying of build it and they will come and, and that doesn't work. <laughs> I totally agree, by the way. From my perspective, my next startup will be much, much better, but I don't have any complaints because, you know, I was a video editor myself. So basically what we are doing in Pitch is to make sure that all the skills that I had in my hands now will be like able in inside the technology. So I am falling in love with Pitch. That, that's the hard truth, you know, and I had this meeting with my team last week and my product manager told me because every time they see that they have like a calendar invite on the weekend, they told me we are, we are afraid of what you are going to come to on Sunday, what we are going to come with. And then I told him, okay, so I have this list of features that we, we should, we must do today. And then my Yuval, my product manager, he told me, Daniel, you are the only one who wants it. And then I told him, no, 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 this is something very important. The customers don't, don't know, but they want it. And then they, he told me, okay, let's check. Let's check. And then he signed into the data and all the metrics and proved me that nobody wants it. This is just to me. And then I told him, okay, so, okay. So I, I don't have anything to say, right? When you mentioned the customers, so I don't have anything else to say. It's not about me. <laughs> Certainly, but there, there is a, a balance to be struck between having a founder's vision and intuition, you know, like the famous Steve Jobs quote, like, you know, no, no amount of customer feedback would build the iPhone, right? So, so he knew where the world was going before the, the world knew it. At the same time, you have to listen to customers and you have to look at the data to inform decision-making. So striking that balance is really where, where the magic happens as, as a founder. And by the way, the balance is changing along the way. That means, for example, today we can put like 80% of the customer's feedbacks and 20% innovative, that we call it innovation. But at the same time, next month, it could be the opposite, right? Because we need to make sure that every time that we are in the right direction when it comes to obviously revenue and to make sure that the customers get what they want. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we are inventing the world that they would like to get. 
and they don't know that they want to get, right? So yeah, so balance is also changed. Amazing. Danielle, I really enjoyed this fascinating work that you're doing at Peach. Thank you for spending time with us and sharing your story. Uh, any final words of advice or anything you'd like to share with the audience? And how can people reach you if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah. So one advice that I would like to, to give people, it's about self-branding. And I think this is one of the most powerful things that I understood about my journey. You need to be out there. And as long as you are experts on what you are doing, I think it's worth both. Also from perspective of the people that you would like to get and to reach and to engage with, etc. They need to make sure that they know you before they really know you. But at the same time, I think this is very important for our person, person that we are. That means to find our own confidence. And when it comes to the things that we are very good at, so this is exactly the place when we are like shining. And, you know, this is something that people would like to engage with. So my recommendations to the people out there, just, you know, be out there and show the world what you have. Don't be afraid to also talking about your weakness. This is something, by the way, that I am doing all the time. I'm talking about also about my weakness, about the things that I'm not good at and what I learned today. Actually, today I posted a story about something that I learned. And I think this is something that people really want to see. They want to see authenticity. They want to hear you. They want to hear from you. So yeah, this is the advice that I have for your audience. Excellent. And how can people reach you if they want to continue the conversation? Oh, email, LinkedIn, everywhere, Instagram, TikTok. I'll put all those links in the show notes then as always. Danielle, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this. I'm going to be rooting for you guys and watching from the sidelines. And hopefully we'll have you back on when you're the Steve Jobs founder. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, thank you and wishing you all the best. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening and joining me on this learning adventure. What did you think of that episode? Let me know via email at hello at pmfpod.com or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I always love to hear from you. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss upcoming episodes, including next week's interview with April Underwood, former chief product officer at Slack, or the following episode where we deep dive into product-led sales with the founder of Pocus. And if you love this podcast and want to help us spread the word, please leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you love to listen and share it on social media. That really does help. Finally, don't forget to check out growth.co, that's growthwithoutthe.co, if you're considering a fractional CMO for your startup. Until next time, wishing you rocket ship success in your startup journey.